Ladies and gentlemen, we need to talk about something. About what it takes to shake up the basketball landscape by installing a style of play that's hard to come by. Welcome to Something Basketball, your English spoken basketball podcast straight out of Germany. I'm your host JB and today we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Well, kind of. When I first met coach John Patrick, he was coaching Göttingen in second division, Germany. Even though this was over 15 years ago, you could tell right then and there he had a gift for making the most out of his players' potential. We are talking about the likes of Kyle Bailey, Dwayne Kirkley and Taylor Rochester, just to name a few. By the way, these were all guards, in case you didn't know. In present time, Patrick has established a system with, the current, with his current club, MHP Riesen Ludwigsburg, that sometimes feature lineups that include four guards and a stretch big. If that's all by design, as we might think, we are about to find out. Patrick was born February 29, 1968, which means we are celebrating his, well, you do the math, birthday as this podcast goes live. Playing for legendary high school coach Morgan Wooten and attending Stanford University manifested his understanding that you'll always have a chance winning ball games if you respect and stick to the basics and principles of our sports. Working hard and play your behind off on defense. Which is something Patrick demands from his players at any given time. If you can accept to invest everything you got to help the team create stops, you'll find a place in his heart and his rotation. When you take a look at both Göttingen and Ludwigsburg, these are not the biggest markets in, the Euro in European basketball, not even on the national level, which is the German Bundesliga. Nonetheless, Patrick managed to lure players that are willing to invest the time and their craft to take a chance to market themselves through good showings and earn big time the next summer. Two Bundesliga Coach of the Year trophies, a FIBA Euro Challenge title and a BCL Final Four appearance along just another Coach of the Year award speak for themselves when it comes to grading Patrick's impact and success. The five-time father is a loving dad and tries to share his views and working habits with his kids to the best of his abilities. That, by the way, is a win-win situation for both Patrick and the Ludwigsburg organization because his youngsters have taught him a, a lot of life lessons. These turn into real value when the 52-year-old not just works with proven veterans, but, promises, but promising talents such as Ariel Huporti and Radi Kazin on a daily basis. To pick coach's brain, we sat down in a crowded, crowded hotel lobby in order to, to touch on all those topics, sometimes wandering off a little, but coming back to where we wanted to be headed in the first place. Just two old basketball hats exchanging thoughts and ideas. As always, we stuck to the something basketball credo, exchanging the good old triple threat position, shoot, pass and dribble for, in his case, small ball, prodigies and dad responsibilities. I'm sitting across somebody who's won the BBL Coach of the Year 2009 and 2010 and who has won the BCL Coach of the Year just a couple years back. 
how much or how less do these two persons have in common? First of all, hello. <laughs> um, I think uh, I think every year uh, coaches adjust. So uh, I am who I am, and I have a general coaching style. But uh, first of all, uh, it's great to win individual awards, but it's a lot more rewarding to, to win championships. So uh, each of those teams in 2008-9 and 2009-10 and then 2017-18 were completely different teams and uh, they were all three very special years, but the most special years are the ones where you win the championships. So now you answered the question without really answering the question. Um, when it comes to, to coaching, do you feel like you evolved, you changed somewhat as a, as a coach during those 10 years? I guess what I'm saying is that uh, we coach differently for the personnel we have. Um, and each of those teams were different and we had different styles, different, uh, even though we would, with the necessity of, of put it, concentrating on defense, which is what I always do, um, some of those teams were high scoring teams that have had, which have been successful. Some teams have been low scoring teams where we didn't have good shooting. Um, The two areas which I would like to be consistent on is that we're solid on defense, or at least we have a style that we follow on defense to make it difficult for the other team. And the other thing is that we don't turn the ball over too much. I think you can always win if you play defense and don't turn the ball over. But um, sometimes you have point guards that can really score. Sometimes you have point guards that are not creative and cannot score, so we try to fit our plays and our play style to our personnel. And being a low-budget club, we aren't really able to keep our best players. That was the case in, in Göttingen. My one year in Würzburg was a completely new team there, and each year in Ludwigsburg has been almost completely a new team. So it's a, it's a fun, creative process, but... I'm the same guy. I'm still uh, married to the same woman, and I have five kids. That hasn't changed. I still love to go to the gym, but um, we we do have different styles to fit our personnel. And sometimes my intended uh, style is not the style or not the exact uh, variation that we end up playing because we want to evolve and, and make ourselves better over the season. Talk about the process of loose loosing up um, you know when you, when you say you, you want to play a certain style and then over the course whether it's preparation or throughout the season you realize hey maybe I don't have the personnel to really play that style talk about the involvement as a, as a coach to not hit the ground and say hey we're going to play my way or the highway but instead loosen up a little and say okay I'm going to adapt to the personnel that I have yeah absolutely I mean coaching is a balancing act and you have uh, injuries sicknesses players who have uh, personal issues maybe their wife isn't happy here we've had that players who have family health concerns uh, players who get sick or, or 
you, know, you don't like it, but they tear their knee, or we had a, have had some turmoil, and you don't have enough money, maybe, or the trade deadline is passed. So you always have to be flexible. And again, there's things that we, there are absolutes. We want to play good defense. You cannot win in a good league unless you play defense. You can win in other leagues without playing defense, but with a small budget, um, you're not going to have as much talent across the board, and you, you have to play defense if you want to get more value, and you have to take care of the ball. Where does this come from? Um, that that you want, that you're saying that's my that's our foundation. This low turnover ratio, high intensity on defense. Where does this come from? Is it within your genes? Is it some Stanford thing way back from your active days, or where does that come from? Uh, I think it's uh, a combination of playing different sports and uh, playing American football, playing baseball, playing basketball growing up, playing soccer growing up, and uh, you give yourself a chance to win by playing defense in all of these sports. And uh, I was lucky enough to play uh, for Bless His Soul for Morgan Wooten who just passed away. And um, we won a national championship. We had a ton of talent. He won more than 90% of his games as a as a coach. And I was lucky enough to play on his team or be on the team. I didn't play much. And to have talented guys who play defense, you can dominate. Um, we played against a lot of teams that were as talented or more talented than us athletically. And we would crush them. It's because we had great, maybe the greatest high school coach that ever lived. Um, I went to Stanford, and we had, uh, in, in a very athletic conference in college, um, a successful team with a lot of guys that ended up playing in the NBA, and, and we went to postseason every year with very subpar athleticism. And again, we. We stomped on teams that had six, seven, eight NBA players on one roster. And it was from doing those things. Both high school and college, both of these coaches are in the Hall of Fame. Michael Newton's in the Hall of Fame. Michael Montgomery's in the Hall of Fame. Um, defend your ass off, whether you play full court or half court or whatever you do, and take care of the ball. And then you have a chance. Yeah. Where does it come from that you soaked it all up as a I mean I don't think is it, is you it, never is soak it, it all up so it's yeah, a good okay, question or, let, 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 or where or how long did it take you especially as you mentioned you didn't play much um, and In everybody starts and everybody starts playing basketball because everybody wants to get buckets it, the goal the goal the goal of the game is to throw the ball into the hoop that's what they're That's okay. what they tell us. I mean, I'm from, I'm so, from Washington, so, D.C. So the approach to, just, to win yeah. games by, by playing defense is the total opposite. But for, I mean, at the time that I grew up, which was a really long time ago, um, there were no video games. Um, I lived in Washington, D.C., grew up in the Washington area. And basketball was a very social thing as well. Um, I was uh, one of the few white guys that went to my gym, the only white guy that went to my gym. 
uh, I was welcomed and cared for uh, by the people I was with. And they were my my people, and, and uh, I loved the game. I loved playing pickup basketball. I was a street baller. Uh, it made things difficult for me when I went to college. But I spent three years at DeMatha, two years at Sidwell Friends, and then I went to Stanford, and uh, I love to play. I still love to play. And so it wasn't about uh, scoring buckets. It was always about winning. And that, I think that comes from, it's a special mentality on the East Coast, and especially from the coach playing for big programs. Um, I bought this philosophy, hook, line, and sinker, that you don't have to score to be important to the team. So I was naive, maybe, uh, but I believed it. I also grew late, so I stunk until I was 17 years old. I was five, uh, five foot six, five foot seven, until I was 15. Then I grew and I was a bean pole. And I was very happy to be a part of a good team. So that was, it wasn't about getting buckets, it was about getting better. And that was Coach Wooten's philosophy. And he was very convincing when, when he would talk to his teams or his camp camps or other coaches about how to be successful. And in the end, you have to fail and you have to learn every day to be a good coach or to be a good player and uh, so I haven't soaked make a, a short story long I haven't soaked up everything at all because every year is a learning experience like I said every, this team that I have in 2019-2020 is totally different than the team I had last year where we had a bunch of injuries and we had some Difficult, very difficult, selfish characters whose experience didn't match with with maybe some of the German guys. This year we have unbelievably good team chemistry. We haven't had injuries, and it makes it a lot easier for me to coach. So every year is it, it sounds uh, like I'm trying not to answer the question, but it really is different every year. And it comes down to: Are you willing to fight through the difficult times, and are you ready? Are you willing sometimes to fight players, not physically, but fight like just keep banging on the rock and telling them, you know, this is what we have to do to be good. And you might not like it, but it's going to be good for you, and it's going to be good for us. Don't don't you feel that players that are coming into Ludwigsburg these days should already know? What's what's gonna happen? What what the what the task at hand is? Yeah, and that's why we get good players. I mean, that's why. I mean, as it, because you said, hey, you gotta bang on the rock and you, you gotta know, bang you, on the you rock, but you got obstacles. and then you get you get agents that send players. I've been really lucky. Agents won't send if they're good agents, and, and most of these guys who are agents at this level have an idea of how successful we've been, but also um, how successful guys have been who played for me, because I demand a lot. And so sometimes agents will say, hey, this kid's a little soft, but it's going to really help him. And you know, 
the, the guy ends up playing in EuroLeague or playing in the NBA the next year. Um, because I'm, I mean, like I said, I, I have five kids. I've coached for 30 years. I come from a place where not everybody's a choir boy, and I wasn't a choir boy either. Um, and I don't mind guys with a big ego. I like guys who want to win. And sometimes guys that want to win have a big, have ego. A big ego. So I don't have a problem with that. Uh, what I have a problem with is, is if guys aren't team players and if guys don't want to win. So um, usually after some um, honest back and forth, we realize that we all have the same goal. You know, I'm, I don't want to go anywhere. I, I like yeah. living where my, my family lives, and I've passed up a lot of offers um, to stay where I am because I want to be with my family. Um, but I love it when guys who I've battled with end up playing in the NBA or end up playing, making five times more money the next year. That's the, that's the best reward for me. And if we win games along the way, that makes it that much sweeter. And, and it's to, to some degree, it's a validation of your work. It's a validation of their it work. And, and it's uh, winning, winning is very nice because I can get a good night's sleep. And uh, my, kids, my kids aren't making comments to me and, and all that. But no, in, in all honesty, it, it's, uh, it's a fun job. And I like the process. I really enjoy the process of being in the gym. And like I said, in my free time, what do I do? I watch basketball. I play basketball. Uh, um, I'm a little bit of a, or a lot of bit of a basketball nerd. Yeah. But talking about wins and losses, um, is there a difference in grading wins and losses when you have a season where you don't play an international campaign compared to a season where you play an international campaign? Yes. How do you how do you approach wins and losses, well, both with and without international campaign? Because I think it's, I, I it mean, hurts. It I hurts when more you to lose when you don't play internationally. Yeah. I'd say because you have a week in between games, um, it's easier to win when you don't play internationally because you're fresher. Yeah. Theoretically. So do these wins when you don't have to play international? Do these wins on the national stage count more, and the losses? Are harder to swallow. Is that the? Yeah, I mean, we played international for so long, and what you say after, or what you think after every game is, we have to clean up this game, right? And we have to get ready for the next game. But first, let's clean this up. So I don't, I don't like saying, uh, "Hey, we won." Now we have this game the next time. We say, hey, "Guys, this is what we did." Well, this is what we didn't do well. We need to get better. Let's let's understand this, and then the next day we can start to, or whenever we're done cleaning up, we can go to the next game. So I don't talk about groups of game, and I never talk about what how many wins we want to have in the season, or if we want to go to the playoffs. That has never ever been in the teams that I've had well, that have won championships. Where I wanted to go was having a long season mm -hmm. and no. Knowing that you have to play X amount of games, yeah. When you don't play on the, inter on the international, and then you have a season with the international games, so you have two times that many games. Yeah. So you know the the, the chance of maybe losing a game more. Losses is, don't is hurt high. as much. I agree. Losses don't hurt as much when you play international. Yeah. Um, 
and it's more fun for players and for coaches. But the my experience is that it's it's too much. We've played 70 games in a season a couple of times. With uh, I've coached in Euro Cup in the old uh, Euro Challenge and Champions League, and it didn't used to be too much. But nowadays, what Euro League teams and what Champions League teams that that advance, which is what we you guys did usually did every, all every year until I like, until last year when we had the injuries, is uh, you don't get a break. You don't get a break at all. And then if you have players in the national team, they really don't get a break because they're in the summer. So to answer your question, uh, losses don't hurt as much, but you worry all the time about workload management. You're just constantly concerned about, uh, yeah, we want to win, but I don't want to... I don't want this guy to get injured, and they're gonna get injured. You have a, you know, the best staff at, at Bayern you can imagine, the best staff at Alba you can imagine, doctors, physios. You're, you're gonna get hurt. It's just too much. So, I uh, that's what I always worried about. And knock on woods, this season without playing international, um, we don't have as many injuries. That, that's exactly the point where I wanted to go. Um, is there any chance, as a coach, you could map out a season where you know uh, maybe we got to go 70 games over the course of the next seven, eight months, whatever it may be? Well, um, how do you approach a, a task like this, especially when we work about the, the injuries, yeah. the workload, the load management? I mean, that, that's in everybody's ear these I days. Think as a coach, you. And, and again, this is uh, in general, and you never know how it's going to go, but you always have to think negatively or you have to know what could go wrong. The, 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 the dumbest comment I could make as a coach would be to say, hey, no, we're, we're fine, what could possibly go wrong? Because something will always go wrong if you, if you have that attitude. So whether it's uh, scouting another team or whether it's uh, planning for the season, I have to be on top of the market, which co which players would be available if we lost somebody at a certain position. Um, yeah, you, you always have to think about what, what kind of fiasco could happen. But at the, on the other hand, um, you have to prepare mentally to play the maximum number of games. So I'm not going to schedule a, a personal vacation until the season is over, like the entire BBL season is over, including the playoffs. But I don't assume that we're going to make the playoffs. I don't assume that we're going to do anything great. I just want to be prepared just in, in case. case in case we do have a great season but I'm not telling my players uh, to do the same thing and, and we just take it one game at a time and try to keep getting better and everybody knows if we have a good season we're going to be in the playoffs that's what it looks like this year <laughs> um, when we talk about the, the roster that you're working with at what point did, did you realize that Yeah, in, in order to have a successful season, in order to being able to play my style of basketball, it's maybe a necessity to 
cut people to, to release players, bring new guys in and implement them into our system. How, talk well, about the, the process of, of so understanding never, and accepting this as a necessity of... Well, in which case are you talking? Give me an example of um, a guy. Just, just dealing with it, with it emotionally because somebody's losing their job, somebody gets signed. I've never, on a, on a cut, I've never cut a guy who didn't that we didn't have a conversation. Yeah, that, that's not the, the point that I want to make. Say, but just the, but that's what I mean. I don't the, understand the, just the question. To, the, the, to understand the the business side. That at the end of the day. It's a business decision to maybe having to release somebody or let somebody yeah, go and yeah. bring somebody in. But you have to, first of all, that's the importance of recruiting. So if you recruit a guy, I've recruited some guys who I really, really liked and wanted to keep, but they failed the physical. So we've had multiple guys who I wanted to keep. They needed to sign a waiver, something like yeah. if they get hurt, that uh, the, for example, if their knee was bad, or we had one of the best guys and also best players I've ever recruited who had a hernia. And he skipped the summer league, but we signed him. Uh, he came, I liked him, he couldn't play, but we said uh, if you sign this and it turns out to not be anything serious you know you you can stay here but he wouldn't sign it wouldn't sign it and we've had multiple guys with that and sometimes I think um, there's been some jealousy on the part of other teams and some incorrect reporting about it also by other teams especially uh, teams that we compete with or have beaten that um, have maligned what we have done. So um, my president's the president of the league here and our main sponsor is the city and we've never cut anybody for being not a good basketball player. But we've had guys who said hey, it's, not, it's not a good fit or I've asked guys who weren't playing, hey, does this make sense? Um, you can stay, and your role will be such and such for now. You can always fight back and, and maybe prove me wrong. And I think if you have an a honest relationship with that guy, then a lot of times they say, no, it's too frustrating. I really want to play. Um, I'd rather go to another program. And that, that happened this year with a couple of guys. And, yeah, they went to weaker teams, but they wanted to play. And so they were welcome to stay. That was fine, too. And, and at some point, uh, you know, they, they said, hey, coach, you know, this is that I, I don't want to be just a practice player. Say, so, hey, I understand. That's okay. It's a competition. It doesn't make you less of a person to say that. It's just about you only play basketball for a certain number of years, and I'm going to stay true to my principles, which is if you're not able to take care of the ball and you're not able to play defense, you're not going to play for me. Um, does it mean that you're, we're going to cut you? No. It just means that if there's two guys that are the same 
ability, and one guy plays defense and takes care of the ball, and the other guy is a great shooter, but he doesn't do that, the great shooter is going to sit, and the guy who plays good defense and takes care of the ball is going to play. So, I, <clears throat> but I've heard a lot of nonsense um, from uh, in, in incorrect stories, not just uh, about our team, but about other guys, uh, other coaches who are um, straight up with their players and have solid relationships with their players, but other managements don't understand, and so they get maligned. So, anyway, we got off the beaten track there. But yeah, but, but that's a good topic. Um, we, we did not touch one subject, okay. and that's um, coaching young kids. Okay. Talk about the res responsibility of, uh, you know, having to deal and having to coach young kids that are like, you know, little Ariel Hoporty, uh, <laughs> that are highly, uh, highly recruited, high, everybody's having an eye on him, um, especially given the fact that, you know, being a five-time father, you, you got kids the same age as Ariel. Yeah. So what kind of responsibility is it for, for you and, and how... How much higher is it, given the fact that you've got kids yourself? So that's a good question, and, and again, I feel like uh, it's a philosophical or a cultural um, thing in terms of the habits you're trying to teach kids, the priorities you're trying to teach kids. So we, we try not to value Ariel or one of my sons who are on his team too, or um, Aeneas, or any of the young guys, or our players, we don't want to value them off the court just for how they are on the court. We would like them to build habits and ways and life skills so that they can be, and each person's different, they can be as successful as they can, and that they have self-worth outside of basketball because this is the hardest part about being a coach or a player is the highs and lows if you win or lose or you're human you have bad games and good games and you're tired and you're sick and you, you do your best and so regulating their effort and teaching them teaching the kids and, and having it as a part of our culture to take the game seriously but try not to take yourself over seriously and concentrate on the process and that's kind of been our um, our focus for the kids in school it's focus the kids on the court it's the focus for our pro guys um, take advantage of what you can uh, you only can play basketball enjoy it you can only play basketball for a certain length of time if you're Ariel or if you're me as a 50 year old 13, 13. not yet not almost, almost. 13. yeah um, we, we're really lucky to be able to make a living from this game but we don't know how long it's going to last so um, we try to project on the kids how lucky they are and what a fun game it is but we have to enjoy it first so Uh, my coaches, I have, a, I have a staff that has a lot of fun together, and you see our, our players uh, sit around for sometimes hours after each meal and laugh at the table, and I feel like 
if we have some kind of family atmosphere and we're closer, then we're more successful on the court as well. Not the other way around. We're not yeah. closer because we're good on the court. We're good on the court because we're a closer group. Do you feel like, coming back to, to the young guys, do you feel like they're maybe more likely not to enjoy playing the game as much just because everybody has their eyes on them? Because of it's a lot coming, of coming back to, to yes. Ariel, coming, I mean, it's well, the ANGT bus, it's the Basketball Without Borders bus, it's the draft to be bus around him, and he's just a kid. Yeah, at but the end of the day. also part of part of um, protecting him from these highs and lows is to focus on how he's working, and so we try to keep it real with the young kids. And it's impossible now. It was impossible when I was young to stabby off recruiters and the street agents and the guys who are hanging around everybody wants a piece of a good player not for the players good for the for the hustlers good you know the players are getting hustled all the time by uh, by people that want a piece of them and Ariel is is hopefully going to make some money out of basketball but he's 17 years old and he's in school so his priorities for, for me uh, what I get the most excited about with Ariel is school things or time management things or how much sleep he's getting or how how he spends his time and the basketball is secondary so uh, if you look at if you look at the box scores over the years or over the over the months of the season um, the times he didn't get to play or played very little are also the times he wasn't going to school regularly, wasn't doing well in school, or wasn't following the, the basic rules. And I think that's what's going to make our kids, it's, it's, it's a balancing act, but our kids are going to be successful because they played basketball and learned something from basketball, not because they were a good basketball player. Does being a father help? in this regard? Help understand how he works, how he functions? I mean, Ari, that, Ari I mean every, every he's, 17 he's, years old yeah. time management might be off at some point. I mean, I have... Uh, I don't know how, you, how you have, have been a, at 17, but... I have a 19-year-old son, I have an 18-year-old son, and I have a 16-year-old son at home. And uh, I spend a lot of time with him, and... Yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. It was an exciting time when I was young. I made mistakes. And I think as a coach and as a father, you can't... You, if, if, if a 17-year-old if a makes a mistake or a 16-year-old makes a mistake, the mistake has been made. Right. You're not going to help it by going crazy. But it's important to have some perspective and... and let that person know what the dangers, what the risks are, uh, if they understand the decision involved in whatever mistake that they made. So, And I believe it's a constant process. It it's is. not like it's you learning. do one minor mistake at age 17 and everybody goes, hey, there you made a mistake. No, it's the seven years prior to that. You got to... No, yeah, it's, it's it a daily, it's daily habits. process. That's why I say it's, it's habits and it's also timing. 
mean, we uh, we really want Ariel to make it. I really wanted um, Maxi Claver to make it when I coached him, and I was tough on him, but sometimes I asked him not to practice because he was hurt a little bit. Um, Royce O'Neal, I was tough on him. I think he improved a lot. These guys are in the NBA making more than $40 million a year, or excuse me, $40 million contracts. And, and uh, hopefully we can teach the young guys that they have to give themselves a chance. And how do you give yourself a chance? You're on time, you understand a little about work ethic, you understand a little about being a good teammate and being coachable, and then how to play hard, that helps. But um, if, if, a, if a kid makes it, it's not because of me, but I don't want it to not make it because of me. That's uh, kind of the idea we have. So we want them to have fun, first of all, a ton of pressure, from a lot of people that want something from, from the kids. Um, I won't make a cent if Ariel makes it, and that's perfectly fine. I didn't make a cent when uh, these other guys made it, but I've seen coaches who want to be friends with their kids instead of wanting to be role models or instead of wanting to be honest with kids, and that's that really stinks. I think that's something to become friends. That's something that maybe comes later when you're honest to a person when you work hard with somebody when you show them that you care I think those are the things that at the end of the day might lead up to become friends I agree no I agree and that's also as a father and the ultimate goal is that your kids will be independent right The but that's the hardest part as a father, to let them go, I believe, to some degree. Yes and no at the same time. That's where coaching maybe helps you because you know it hurts self-confidence if you're over-controlling. Yeah. And in the end, your, your kid or your player is going to have to make decisions for themselves. And so you try to build the habits and instill in them the same priorities that you believe are going to make them successful, but you can't joystick them. Some coaches like to joystick their players, and that's why I say there are two things. You got to play hard, you got to play defense, you got to take care of the ball, but there's a lot of creativity that I allow, and also my players are adults, not Ariel, but these guys are over 18. So you can't say, I don't believe you can say um, that they can't do something. You just say, hey, that, that wouldn't be great for the team. Yeah. That would hurt the team if we did that. Yeah. And, and that leads, it. exactly leads to my, my final question. What's the, the one or maybe one of the one or two things John Patrick would love to see in his playbook, but knows that's never gonna that that this is ever gonna be in there. Because you you installed a very special type of basketball that works for both you and, and the players that 
that you have on the squad. But everybody has, whether it's teams, dreams yeah. or, or whatever you want to call it, is there something I will basketball-wise you would say? I will say, never, ever love have to. a system like the Houston Rockets. <laughs> Let's say that. <laughs> I'll never, I don't want to ever have a system where a guy comes and dribbles down the court for 20 seconds and then shoots it. It happens sometimes, but I wouldn't be by Because design. you don't like it? or Because it's not team basketball. No. But, but what's the, the one thing where you say that's something I love to see on opposing teams or oh, just to no, watch on TV and there's nothing I'd lo I'd love to have it in my playbook but I know it, it doesn't fit my, my style it doesn't fit our, yeah. our style there's nothing if it's I'm open to to any kind of I'm, op I'm open to pretty much everything mm. yeah I mean we our budgets constrain us and uh Sometimes the limitations of players constrain us, and injuries constrain us. Um, but I've, I've played with one guard and four forwards. I've played with five guards at the same time. Uh, it's yeah, it, and I, I really do believe that if you're a good coach, you're going to try to find. You know, you take your five guys. I'll take my five guys. I'll beat you, and then we'll trade players, and I'm going to beat you again. That's got to be the, the attitude. So I'm going to find a way to beat you. And uh, it has to do with scouting. It has to do with coaching your guys and making them confident in whatever scheme you have. So um, I grew up playing pickup basketball, and you got to find a way to win with whatever four other guys you're with. It doesn't matter if they're fat and old or young and skinny. You're going to you know, find a way to win. That's kind of the attitude I have, and so if, if there's something good that I can steal from another coach, um, I watch a lot of Euroleague ball, and, and I just watch basketball all the time, so if there's something that I can pick up, I'll, I'll try to pick it up and use it. Closing this one out, thanks to Coach JP for being available for an interview after an evening shoot-around and the following team dinner late at night. Plus, a very special shout-out goes to Ludwigsburg's press officer Lukas Robert for setting up the whole appointment. As a listener, feel free to follow Something Basketball on Instagram at Something Basketball and leave some feedback on whatever platform you've been listening to this episode or give us a 5-star rating to help this fine podcast grow. Until then, substitution, I'm out.